Hello and welcome to the Courage to Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode where I speak to health and exercise coach Bernadette Dancy. This was a tricky introduction for me because quite honestly there is so much depth to the knowledge and the experience that comes with Bernadette and it's hard to do that justice in this introduction. Bernadette used to be someone who was always exposing herself to challenges in order to be the best that she could be pushing herself physically, mentally and professionally. To give you some idea, this included achieving her PhD by the time she was 28, completing her master's, running marathons and even ultra marathons. Bernadette was always surrounded by high achieving individuals, whether that was professional athletes, high performing academics, people who pushed themselves. And the story that she started to tell herself was that you have to push, you have to push and Bernadette discovered that there was a tipping point and for her that was in 2016 when she experienced burnout, exhaustion, low mood and anxiety. You'll see straight away Bernadette is a very open, a very honest woman and that comes across in how she tells this story. There was so much in this interview that I needed to hear and I think there's a lot I resonated with and feel very privileged that I was able to have this conversation with Bernadette. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much. So welcome Bernie. Hi. Uh, We were having a little conversation before this started and I'd like to start there. Um, So let's get straight to the crux of the courage to be and you talked about that balance between and um, the courage to step out of your comfort zone, so to speak. Yeah. But also managing burnout, which you've experienced before. Can you maybe talk us through that and what you meant by yeah, that? I think it's just such a fine line, isn't it? There's a tipping point that we are all trying to kind of find. And most often we find it by accident, by going over the edge. Like I definitely did. I think we think we know each other, but we have to actually get to that point of a breaking point to realize really how far was too far mm-hmm. and it, and then maybe move the line backwards because we've probably overstepped it and I think well, a lot of the times when I work with people and this would stem from athletes like right back when I started my PhD which is in sports psychology I thought I wanted to work with elite performing athletes and then I realized now actually I want to work in exercise psychology and I've always surrounded myself or been surrounded by high achieving people people who push themselves mm-hmm. Um, whether that's academically or in their sport um, or when I went and did a master's, whether that was like a consultant in a hospital, whatever it was, I found that the message was always the story. I always told myself, you have to push, you have to push, you have to strive and you have to do more and do more because that's what sets, sets you apart. If you think of athletes, you know, that's what sets them apart from people who make it and people who don't. So the, the problem is we don't always know where that tipping point is, mm-hmm. you know, and um sometimes we find out too late and you find out too late when you've overstepped it and then the athlete that might be an injury or in a in a corporate world that might be burnout or it might be making a bad decision you know you might be a, a consultant in the hospital and you make a mistake we're all human and I always find that fascinating you know how do you find the line how do we know what that tipping point is and for myself the hardest bit having gone through kind of burnout and and overstepping the mark 
now as I kind of take the courage to step into this new pathway, this new lifestyle that I want to live so that I can spend more time with my family and my kids, but set up a business at the same time. Where's my line? Like at the minute I'm struggling with, I think I'm playing it too safe. I'm not pushing myself. Like I'm holding back. And I've been telling myself I need to do that so I don't burn out again. Like you need to hold back. Don't don't so work you don't in the know evenings. That's almost a form of yeah. resistance in itself. Is it resistance or is it self protection? Mm. Have I bubble wrapped myself too much? Or do I need to kind of now that I'm feeling strong again? Actually, now it's okay. You can push again. So it's, I had a conversation with a friend recently. It's kind of about, about stress and burnout. And obviously that's who I work with clients all the time. And we kind of had this moment where I was thinking, when do you know you're better? When do you know you've healed? Or do you ever heal? Like, are you always in this a stage or in a process of healing and a process mm. of recovering from overachieving or over striving or whatever you know so I think that's also interesting yeah I think that's really interesting and I think this is a perfect timing in that so just last week obviously with the launch of this podcast there's been a lot happening and last week my husband said to me you may as well be back in corporate um mm. and he was like I you know you're working as hard you're putting the same amount of pressure on yourself and you know I said okay I, I hear what you're saying in the sense that he was saying like schedule time into the diary where it you know you go off to the beat whatever that is for mm. you you take time out I think the difference for me in this so I think you 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 can push yourself I think in corporate when I stepped over the line because the work that I was doing wasn't necessarily in line with my values it I hit burnout quicker mm. right now I still think that you know you can burn out even when it's something that is in line with your values mm. and it's purposeful and it's meaningful um but I you know I think I'm here to, I'm here today to hear a lot of what you have to say mm. as well both personally because it's it's interesting for you if you were to kind of make a guess because you're saying you still don't know how to read into that tipping point are there some some little indicators that you're starting to see yeah definitely I think what you do is you have to really look into yourself you know you have to start learning it's a bit like you know when we have a child or a dog or a puppy or someone else to take care of right you're not given an instruction manual like we don't know we're finding our way and every whether you've got children or not and I learned this when I had my boys they're very different so you can be quite smug and quite you know arrogant oh I've done this before mm. but actually everyone's different right so everyone's instruction manual is different so my instruction manual is different but we don't get taught our own instructions we grow up as children we don't learn our needs as such um, we have to find them out and I think the biggest thing I learned is like well, what are my needs like how much sleep do I need um, when I um, have spent loads of time in other people's company how do I decompress is that important to me yeah it is like and does that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be you know the life and soul of the party and that's a bad thing that I'm some sort of like um, anti-social person no it's like if I spent a whole day at a conference that just too much for me I need to be on my own maybe in the evening you know so you have to kind of learn to an extent what your your needs are in the same way as we, we do for a child because then when we know their needs we don't let we try and avoid them having tantrums and meltdowns because we go well they you know they've had too much or they've done too much and I think as as adults we have to learn that as well and that's why I work with my clients on it's trying to explore you know what are your needs and where are you neglecting those needs like are you sacrificing those needs for a company for a business that you don't align with the values for mm -hmm. and when that happens you then begin to resent that um, when you love your work, which I do, and I'm sure you do, 
it's very different. I remember when I started uh, working for myself, I would sit down in the evenings and you get some inspiration for a blog post or you want to be really creative. And I'd just get my laptop out and I would do that. And I loved it. Well, when I was working in the evenings, marking, grading papers, etc., you might kind of be a bit like, well, why am I giving up my... I'm not getting paid to do this. And I think that's the difference. You can, you've hit the nail on the head is when you're aligned with your values and that's definitely the case for me if it feels good then the work is kind of effortless and when things get stale or too difficult or I'm not aligned with it I begin to resent it and that to me is when I have to step away um, and people will often have said to me in the past like you know you're walking away from that job you're walking away from that opportunity I'm like yeah but it's not it's not for me mm. somebody else can have that for me this time in my life it's not there so I think to go back to your question you've got to find your your needs and once you do, you can kind of almost like relearn. It was a bit like an athlete with an injury, you know. You find out what you've got to do to rehab the injury. And then you've got to you test it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So maybe for a long time after I burnt out, I'd say for at least nine months to a year after that, I sleep was the biggest thing. Like I needed to sleep and I needed to get t- nine to ten hours sleep. So then I start telling me this story, myself this story that I need nine to ten hours sleep or I will break down again. And actually that's not true, you know. And getting some objective data around that, which I monitor heart rate variability, which isn't a way of doing it, is is looking at objectively what my stress levels are like, you know. Um, It's not true. I did a whole 24-hour analysis of my uh, nervous system with with a company called First Beat Analysis, and I could look at it, and, and I could see that he said to me, you know, your sleep is amazing. When you sleep, your recovery is deep sleep, it's quality sleep. You only got seven hours that night, but actually it was really good quality. So it made me kind of look at myself and go, well, the story you're saying to yourself is bullshit. Mm -hmm. You don't need nine or 10 hours sleep. You're being a bit pretentious there, a bit protecting of yourself. So it's almost like you need someone to call you out a little bit. Mm. And that's why I think when you work with a coach or um, you've got friends that can do that, you've got to test the waters a bit. Find yourself, recover, but then be willing and open for that boundary to kind of be stretching. Because you're going to heal. You're going to have moved, aren't you? If you think from the point of burnout, you're going to have recovered. So you're not going to be that same person. We never are. And I remember after I, I had some coaching and some therapy after I had some uh, burnout. And I remember saying to them, you know, I'm really worried that I'll go back to that place mm-hmm. again. And I remember it was like it was my therapist saying, you won't. You know too much. Yeah. And that, that sentence, you know too much, was just like, yeah, you're right, I do. I know what not to do. I know where my breaking point is. Um, obviously, I'm still learning, but I knew I broke um, that point. So now it's, I'm testing the boundaries, and we all do. You know, yeah. setting up a business, running a business. It's not easy, but um, yeah, when you enjoy it, when you love it, it makes it easier. So for you, as you think about that next stretch, mm. you know, and also you balance that out between not going too far. What does growth look like for you? What's that next stretch? What's that next uncomfortable move? Yeah, that's a good question because that is actually the case for me at the minute. You know, my youngest son starts school in September. So for now, up until now, I've been like, oh, you know, I'm enjoying it. It's a hobby business. And now I'm like, you know what? The competitive side of me is coming out. The business side of me, the the kind of high achieving side of me is rearing its head because I'm like, now you've got to make this a business. Like This is where you need to bring in money. This is where you need to match your salary perhaps before. And then the other side of me is like, yeah, but remember what happened before. So it's about learning, you know, how do I grow but maintain the lifestyle that I have, which is I'm there to pick up my kids after school because that's what I want to do, you know. Mm. Um, it might not always be like that, but at a minute it is what I want to do. Um, I'm sure after a year or two of doing that, I'll get bored yeah. again. <laughs> but at the minute, you know, I want to be there to pick them up. And when they're messing around, I'm like, oh, why did I not send you to school? <laughs> um, but it's finding that balance. And I think it's it's staying true to 
what my lifestyle is, questioning what are my needs as a person before my business needs. And I think people struggle with that because it sound, can sound selfish. Mm. But actually, I know and I've learned the hard way that when I am well and I've got energy and I'm mentally well and physically well and I'm laughing and I'm having fun with my kids, I'm a better mum, I'm a better mm. wife and ultimately a better coach. Um, if I overstretch it and I work too hard to grow this business to be all these things, I'm sure I could do it because I've got actually, I'm quite a confident person underneath it all. I know I've got skills and I know I've got experience that I could really push a business on, but do I really want that? Is that worth it over being able to pick up my kids or, you know, when they're sick, you know, you're having that argument with your other half, well, what have you got in your diary? What have you got in your diary? Mm. And we're both arguing about whose like appointments are mm. more important. We don't have that anymore because I'm kind of like, well, okay, well, I can move things around yeah. and I can pick up the kids. And so I it's, think it's looking to myself, what do I need as me and what do I need in my family? And then my business will grow around that. And that's mm. what's, I guess, going to have to be the next step. Yeah. And what does this, I guess you look into the future and, and maybe if you look at from, so you worked with companies in, mm. in the past, yeah. right? Um how has your yardstick for success or your definition of success evolved since then? Yeah, it's a good question because I've always been in academia. So you say companies, you know, I've gone straight from university to, to being a university lecturer. So I've always been in that business, if you like. Mm. Um, and so my yardstick for success has always been my own performance because even as an academic, you know, you become a lecturer, you become a senior lecturer, you next maybe become a reader and you become a professor, right? So you're working your way up through the ranks. And... The yardstick for success there is publishing research and getting your name out there and becoming an expert in your field. And I think for me now, the yardstick for success is um, helping other people, but whilst maintaining my own health as well. And it really, burning out really made me realize what was important in life. Um, and, and, you know, having the tragedy of losing my dad when he was only 47, which led to kind of contribute to my burnout. That made me realize in a slow kind of way, it took me a long time to get there, mm. but realize, you know what, we're, it, we're here for such a short period of time and a successful business is important, but actually um, the time that I've got with my family is hugely important, you know, and how I mold or affect their upbringing because of how, how stressed or unstressed I am because mm. it, you know, affects the whole family if one or other parents are stressed. So the yardstick now is, you know, can I, can I bring in an income that doesn't create stress on the family. So I match my salary. So my husband doesn't feel like all the pressure's yeah. on him. Sorry, husband. Um, <laughs> and and also, you know, what everyone wants is have that, but also have the balance of no stress in your family. I don't know if that exists. Working with clients that I work with, I know there is a level because I, I live it every day. I've got a good lifestyle, um, very good family set up and I work. And then they start, you kind of think, well, like, we want nice holidays or we want a new car, or, you know. So then it's kind of like, well, actually, you need to make sure you're a more money for your business. So that's the pressure. That's where mm. I find it's kind of like, okay, is that stuff more important than the quality time? And at the minute, I think as the kids get older and as, as we grow into our businesses, you know, things get easier um, and, and I'll find my way with it. But at the minute, the lifestyle is more important. 
because yeah. also I see it in my clients you know if I'm turning up to a Skype call or a coaching session with a client and I'm not living the values that I want them to implement mm. they're going to see it written all over my face yeah and I think that's it I think if we look at the work that you do it's about embodying that like yeah. for me it's fine to like I could sit here and talk about courage all day but if I'm not embodying it and my clients aren't seeing how I'm going out into the world and stepping into some of the things I talk about yeah. then yeah it's contradictory and I think it's interesting because I interviewed a guest before we met today um you know who now has a business you know with with a team of people underneath her and um she's got two small kids and you know she's constantly juggling that balance and I think what I hear from your story as well is this this constant need to not only reevaluate our values but articulate our values mm. because they just keep evolving so yeah. it's like because there is no and or or maybe or better or right you know it there is no you know if I leave the kids you know in there's no there's no there's no perfect answer it's about what's going to enable you to live out of your life in the way that's most meaningful totally and yeah if we look at some of the like the deeper meaning behind the work that you do with your clients or yeah. call it the legacy or the purpose like yeah. what is that is that something that you can articulate right now or wow, yeah oh you know if I think of it's about living well and in, in balance I mean if I think of the clients when they come to me um, and I can often see their faces when we have our final session. I can visually picture them um, as they sat in front of me on that first call. You know, they look broken, they're tired, and mm. um, and and for me, it's it's the it's the difference in their face, in their in their in their kind of demeanor at the end is knowing that they've recognized what they were doing was actually pushing them over the edge, and now they're different. And I'll say to them, well, "How have you changed? Like, what's what shifted? What's changed?" Um, between when we worked at the beginning three months ago and they're like oh you know what just I, I'm a lighter person I've got more perspective and I think it's important that we for me and the work that I do is just help people to kind of strike that balance that we aren't there isn't a perfect answer mm. like people come to me and there isn't a solution there is no oh if we follow a b c and d you suddenly won't be stressed right mm. so the first month we worked together I don't know that person from Adam they've just rocked up contact me by email and we, we do initial consultation and we say okay this could work we, we might work well together but they also don't know themselves and they don't even realize that so we have to help I have to help them take a step back be really objective about what's been happening um, and get clear about how they're contributing to their own stress mm. and that can be quite hard to hear because sometimes we want to point fingers and blame work mm. and family and la 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 and stuff happens yeah life happens but how are we as adults not parenting ourselves how are we not adulting you know mm. what are we how are we contributing to the stress and hold a mirror up to that and and help people to recognize that there is another way and my goal is always to help the person still have that job like I've got people who would have really high up responsibility jobs in say HR or something like that and they need to be able to fulfill that role without losing their spark without losing their work ethic I don't want to get them all zen and be like, you got to meditate every hour, every day, and you got to do all these things. And then suddenly they lose their interest at a spark and they're like, well, now I don't actually want to achieve. What's the point? Actually, there's more important things in life. That's not what it's about. It's about saying, listen, it, if you want to be high up in your career, you've got to get the balance right. So it's almost treating them like an athlete. I think maybe my background with athletes comes out. It's can you be a corporate athlete? An athlete doesn't train, 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 and then compete. I wonder why they haven't competed at a high level. They train, rest, recover, train, rest, recover. Mm. We don't do that in business. We don't do that in academia. And we wonder why we're on, we're on our knees, you know? Yeah. 
you know, we have to think in everything, you know, we, everything has a, a phase, a cycle of rest, recover, repair. And so it's helping people to recognize that they can be a better business person, mother, parent, if they take the time to invest in their physiology and their care and their stress responses yeah. um, and actually to get more out of it. They perform better because they're not banging their head on the desk, you know, they're, mm. they're ready, they're, they're, they're on performing at the, at the top of their game. Um, whereas what happens is we get stuck in this like, all or nothing and I did it I was completely guilty must work more must stay up late must do more must do more people need to see that yeah um and the, the stigma around saying you're stressed it's just huge I, in fact I think the stigma around stress is greater than the stigma around depression and mental illness do you? I think that's reducing and people are more open but if you think about it if you're in a high performing career and you've got a good job it's very difficult to say I'm struggling with stress because actually people might judge you and then you're thinking about, I've had clients who say, well, I can't let anyone know because then I might not get that promotion. Well, they're more than capable of getting that promotion. They're, you know, they just need to improve their performance around their lifestyle. Um, but there's a fear and there's a stigma around saying I'm stressed or I'm burning out because what does that say to a future employer or whatever, you know? Mm. Whereas when we say we're depressed and mental, I've got a mental illness, I feel like the society is more open to that and we're, more, we're moving towards a, an understanding of that. Um, somehow I feel like with the, what I get from clients is there's a, a connotation or weakness around saying I'm stressed, i.e. I'm not coping with the demands of, mm. of, of the job. Um, that's blaming you, whereas a mental illness is happening to you. To Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I find it quite difficult sometimes to help people to recognize that that's not the case. You're going mm. through a, a stage of life um, that you can recover from. And I'm evidence of that, you're evidence of that. Yeah. yeah. And and you almost look at that stage in life as a transition, I guess. Mm. You know, and, and I think, because I, I guess I'm thinking about transitions, but in the way that I experience through my coaching practice, which is perhaps somebody's, yes, there are situations where somebody's experiencing burnout or they've got anxiety within the corporate world but very often it's I'm currently here I want to move here but I'm, I'm too scared and what does that look like but at this point in time so we've a high performing individual perhaps working within an organization who's feeling burnt out I know there's no one size fits all but in terms of stopping and you know, do you recommend taking a break taking time out like what's that first step or is it very yeah, different for it everybody? is it's completely different for everybody because it kind of depends on what stage to come in at mm. you know some people I'm like you need time off you mm. need and, and and that's my job as a coach I think sometimes to call people out and say enough's enough like where are you going to be if you don't stop now what are you going to be like in a week's time what are you going to be like in the month's time um and, you know, and, and I get very honest answers. You know, one of my clients said to me, I'll probably be dead. I've had a heart attack by now, you know. And, and then that's, you know, that cuts deep. And I think um, sometimes people need to admit that or hear that. And, you know, when they when they have that realisation, that's when I can say to them, well, what you need a break. And it's okay to need a break. You're not a failure. You need a rest. Um, and actually, you know, we use the analogy of, of uh, being on a flight. And I always think... They were a bit bonkers when the air hostess said, you know, whatever you do, make sure you put the oxygen mask on yourself before you tend to your child. I'm like, oh, as if I'm going to do that, I'm going to totally sort my Even kid when out. when they say that, it doesn't feel comfortable. No, you're like, does it? of course <laughs> I'm going to put my, the oxygen mask on my kids first. But actually, it's right, you know. We cannot help the people around us, the business, the partner, whatever it is, if we're on our knees. So actually to take a break for some people, is is it is the right thing to do. In other cases... It's just reassessing what they're doing, how they're contributing to their own stress. 
because we can actually take control back you know it could be our diet it could be our sleep it could be decisions we're making to handle that stress are inappropriate and actually we just change them suddenly we're managing the stress better Mm. um you could think about it as a bucket of water and you know, there's, there's a theory that looks at the analogy of a stress bucket and the, the water rises. And as we all have a level where the water goes above that level and we get stressed or overstressed. Um, and what we can do is we can put holes in the bucket. Okay, we can't turn the tap off at the top. The stress is going to keep mm-hmm. coming. But if you put holes in the bucket, the water won't ever get to that tipping point. And I get all the time people go, but you're a stress coach. You must never get stressed. I'm like, you need to live with me and speak to my husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course I get stressed, but what I have now is a resilience and that I know what my needs are. I know how to take myself away. I know how to recover. I know how, I, okay, maybe I need an early night once a week. So I think it's about the individual. Yeah. And that's why every time people come to me, I'm like, there isn't a textbook. There isn't a 10 mm. step plan that you there's go no through. You know? No, I and wish I there was. The, but the, gateway, the gateway into mm. any transition, cliche as it may sound, but it's self-awareness, yeah. you know? And I do find that very often, even even that road in itself is varied so how we learn about ourselves Mm. you know like there is no one path to doing that either it's almost like yes that life audit is needed yeah Um, like that life audit yeah yeah Where, where where do where do we start and I think that you know if we come back to if we come back to the courage to be um is there a pattern or maybe you can draw on your own personal story um so if you can think about you reaching that stage of burnout, mm. right? Um, is there anything that you can draw on that you believe was kind of a story that you had to stop telling yourself or anything you had to overcome to get over that bridge? Yeah, I think when I got to the point for me, you, you ha- I had to stop telling myself that um, I wasn't doing enough. Mm. I think there's a there's a tendency, and I can only speak for you know for myself. But as a female, when we return to work after having children, especially you know you're already high achieving, you're you're working quite well in your career or whatever, that you don't want anyone to think that you're not performing at the same level before. And that was the case for me for you know definitely you know I still felt like I wanted to produce research and be performing at top level and be at my desk and and not leave early. If people might be watching, you know, there's a kind of pressure to feel like people look at you slightly differently now you're you're a mum are you going to be leaving early or are you going to be you know and and that's my story but I felt like I had to I was telling myself that to an extent and that had to prove myself you know my worthiness of now I was not just an academic in the sense that when I didn't have children I could be in the office till eight nine at night and I love that you know and that's part of how I work um, I used to always work late I worked to midnight it wasn't a problem but when you've got a baby who's waking up three four times in the night that doesn't work anymore um but I told myself that you know you you need to do that and I think recognizing that life is different when we go through transitions meaning that we have to be more sensitive sensitive and I can't I guess more sensible about our needs really is important you know you wouldn't expect a new employee to come to a business um and not tell them anything uh, you know how to soften that and how to kind of get them into the role you'd have kind of a period of where you would like get them to learn the ropes and meet new people and you wouldn't expect them to hit the ground running so when we transition through phases like that I think we need to learn um, it's okay to take a foot off the gas you know you don't have to prove yourself but 
like most things, I think, isn't it Steve Jobs who says that you cannot see things looking forward. You can only look at them, mm. you know, with the steps looking backwards. And I think that's it. The dots only join, as Steve Jobs says, when you look backwards. And when I hit breaking point, the dots are very clear. The signs are very obvious. But when you're charging forwards at full steam, um, you know, it's it's very hard to see. And I think other people will see it sooner than you do. They might not realize it. I remember people saying to me when I left my job and I handed in my notice and I resigned um, after a period of, of six months where I took time off work mm-hmm. to recover. Um, I remember people saying to me, oh, you know, one guy said to me, oh, you know what you used to be called? And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, God. And he said, sandwich girl. And I was like, what? And he said, because you just always charging around carrying a sandwich. And I <sighs> kind of thought... That says a lot. He doesn't know what he's just told me, but that told me, you know, I didn't even stop to eat. I was constantly getting from one thing to the next thing. My meeting, my lunch hour is always booked up in another meeting or another appointment, you know, but because I was trying to squeeze as much into the day as I could to get home to my kids to kind of continue that. So I always remember him saying, he will never remember that, but I always thought, God, that says a lot. And you know, you have those moments where you're like, yeah, that enough's enough now. That's, That's too much. You know, you need to feed yourself for God's sake. You know, walking around carrying a sandwich is not going to feed you. So, yeah. and, and I love how you were, I, I mean, something just came to my mind as well. When I was doing my master's, they used to like tease me. And it was it's fun. It was like a joke at the time because I used to run around the office. I used to run around. Yeah. And now I, just when you said that about sandwich girl, it's like, wow, there are these little signs. Yeah. And, and they're badges of honor sometimes. Totally. And we do have to also like, I, I'm, I'm really conscious that sometimes when I say these things, it's also like, it is not a badge of honor, yeah. you know, um, and I think but I am I'm kind of held on the point that you made about I'm not enough. And mm. because I think this is the crux of a lot of the behavior that we see, whether it turns out to be burnout, what people pleasing, whatever yeah, it totally. is. Right. Yeah. And so it comes back to filling up the cup, which is the cup being kind of self-acceptance and love. And whilst this is all, you know, it sounds very, yes, heard it all before when we experience it, we start to realize that, you know, this is the reality. Mm. So if you think about your, I guess, the process by which you. So, so first of all, take me back to mm. that rock bottom burnout. Yeah. What, what, what is that? What does that look like? I was. I would say the words I would use, I was just broken. OK, I remember the exact day it, it hit me. I was in my office on a Saturday. I could stop there. Right. Saturday mm. morning. I was in my office, had some extra work to do. And I said to my husband, I'm going to go in. It's all right. We're going to Saturday morning. And it wasn't unusual before kids. We would do that. We didn't have kids. You know, we both worked and he's an academic as well. So it's like we've got higher work ethic. But yeah, that's cool. I'll take the kids to the park. Whatever. And I remember being in the office because I felt like I was overwhelmed. I hadn't quite got the volume of work done. I needed to that week because, you know, you're part time. I was part time, but doing almost full time hours on a part time mm. basis. So I thought, I'll go in on Saturday, clear the emails, clear the work, that'll be fine. And I was in my office and I was grading a student's paper and I couldn't add. I just couldn't add up. And I was sitting there thinking, this isn't right. You know, I'm, I'm, I remember like just looking at this sheet of paper and going, I am done. I am so tired, you know, and it was emails. You'll get another email and that overwhelming sense of I, I can't even open an email. Like it was just the straw that was breaking the camel's back. And these are the little things, but the damage has already been done like months before. Um, they're the things that break you or you think have broken you, but they haven't, you know, they're just the things that you can't it's do anymore. Symptoms yeah. almost, and yeah. I remember just sitting on the floor in my office and I just sat there and I thought, I, I need to lie down. I was just like, oh, I need to lie down. I can't cope with this. And I wouldn't say it wasn't like a dramatic thing. It wasn't a panic attack. It was just a realization of enough is enough now. You need to stop. 
And I remember speaking to my husband and saying, I'm tired. And he was like, yeah, I'm tired too. And I was like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tired. And he's like, yeah, no, yeah, I'm tired too. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, again, dude, I'm done. And he was like, you know, you, people look up from, you know, you're having that conversation, you quite look at each other. And then he yeah. looked at me and he was like, yeah, you are, aren't you? So we had a conversation and it was kind of like, what, how does this need to change, you know? And I saw, I went, I saw my GP um, who was like, well, I think you've got depression. I was like, well, I feel depressed, but I'm not depressed. There's more going on. And my experiences, you know, teaching health and exercise science and physiology background and understanding the relationship between exercise and mental health, I taught all this stuff. So I knew there was more to it. And I remember thinking, I need to have some blood tests done. I need to know what's going on. If they can explain to me what, you know, the scientists in me wanted to know, what are the steps, what are the mechanics, what's going on beneath the surface? Anyway, she couldn't do that for me. So I went private and I saw a practitioner and I had loads of tests run. And I always remember her email came back and it, it came into my inbox and it, she said to me, this is why you're broken, call me. And it was just results of a cortisol stress test, like a cortisol test. And when you look at the results, I was just off the scale. I was just pumping out cortisol for fun, you know, waking up loads of cortisol when it should be low, you know, not low, but low and then rising in the day. But my cortisol wasn't coming down. It was staying high. So when it got to bedtime, I was wired but tired. You know, that feeling where you hit tiredness in mid-afternoon, but I could literally get on my laptop at 10 o'clock and go till two in the morning. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. The badge of honor, like you say, you know, I can work really late and I can get loads done. No, you're just breaking yourself. Your physiology doesn't understand. It's time to rest. You've lost that information, that um, communication from your brain. So I took that information from her. I saw a couple of other specialists and again, the academic, the, the, the person in me probably threw myself into my recovery in the same way I threw myself into my work. Mm-hmm. It was like, I need to learn this. I need to understand it and I need to fix myself. And I went about it like that. It was just my life's work at that point. It was like, I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be on a sofa. I don't want to be off work ill. I want to get well again. I want to recover. I want to learn from my mistakes. And I went down that and I learned as much as I could and I um, applied it and I used as many experts as I could to kind of get that information. And recognized quite quickly even standing outside the school gates you know that there were women to my left right and dads actually you know on their knees and Mm. I would say one thing I'm always and this may be the courage to be element for me I'm always honest um whether it's it might take me a while but I will always be honest and people say why you off work and I would tell them yeah that's amazing and they would look at me and go god I've been struggling too and it just Mm. opens up these conversations Mm. and I think it's hard to do that but as soon as you say to people that you're struggling or you had struggled I think when you're in the middle of struggle people find it hard Mm. but when you can say like I've been through this and I'm recovered and I'm better then that opens up conversation and I think for me as well and this is part of the podcast I think that can be part of the healing journey you know and it's 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 almost like it's those insecurities they're not only gifts to others insecurities past experiences the things that perhaps we hold a degree of shame around um sharing them not only heals us but it's also it's helping them but it's a big part of the process and i think that comes back to the courage to you know lean into our voice to Mm -hmm. have a voice and you know you say that people say okay you know you don't struggle struggle with with burnout or with stress I think we end up teaching or supporting people that you know the things that we've been through yeah <laughs> and also teaching um, them that that is achievable that there, that we somehow can I can help them somehow mm. live a stress-free life I can't so keep your money if you that if you think mm. that's the case you know it's not possible stress is going to happen to me to you to everybody regardless it's just society it's how we live in the world at the minute it's choosing how to manage that uh, okay you can turn off the tap but you can reduce the volume of stress 
but actually things can happen tomorrow we don't know what level of stress is going to impact mm. us every day you know bereavement or financial problems and things can hit us in a moment and I think that's what I realize is that in a split second you mm. can go from being quite high up in your career or quite high up in your relationship or wherever it is and in a heartbeat things can flip and change and that volume of stress can be overwhelming um and all I like to help or to strive to do with myself and my clients is to build up that resilience, you know. Yeah. And do you get the opportunity to work with clients to build up that resilience before they've hit burnout? Oh, I wish in, in when I get invited to do, say, lunch and learn talks and corporate settings, I hope that is the case because yeah. you're getting people maybe who've got a little flicker or they're starting to worry or they're starting to struggle and I can get in early. And I always can tell if I've hit them because, again, I'm very frank. I tell people my story. I can be very clear about why I burnt out and if you go back it was related to you know bereavement or post-traumatic stress disorder and I can go into the detail of that and you see people in the audience somebody might cry or they can't look at you or I know they're going to come speak to me at the end it hits home and they're the people I'm trying to get to because I know they're ready to hear it or they're they haven't broken yet but they recognize and they're nodding away and they're like Jesus and they come up to me and say you were talking about me and I'm like you need to you know think about what your life is like at the minute then because they're the ones that are great if you catch them early but unfortunately the ones that come to me are usually like mm. I was which is fine you know they they maybe not as broken some are more broken some are less broken and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense you know you're broken oh god you're broken you're not healable but I think it's the way I describe how I felt I had no energy and I think some of them come like that um and then we just start with, okay, let's make you feel better today. Mm. What can we do today? And we start mm. small. And the journey can be as long or short. Some people recover, bounce back quite quickly because they throw themselves into it, two or three months. Some people can take a year or more, you know. And yeah. again, it's up to those individuals, what they can manage, what their life's like, what, you know, their history's like. Mm. Um, sometimes people come with therapy, they need therapy, and I kind of signpost them to that um, because they need to deal with other things whilst we do some work you know it depends on the person yeah, really yeah it's interesting because something that you said there as well um resonated with me and I guess it's these unexpected transitions mm. so be it bereavement or what, whatever that may be and I guess if the foundation isn't there um the, you know and I and I I don't think I've ever thought about it in mm. that perspective because you know it's almost like building ourselves up for the inevitable totally. because transitions will happen yeah. right we can we can keep them to a minimum if we don't necessarily lean into change yeah. or if we don't choose to kind of step outside our comfort zone too much but yeah. either way they'll come find us oh, completely <laughs> oh yeah yeah and I think that's the naivety of it we think and I you know was probably guilty of that at the, the, at the beginning of the recovery of my burnout can I kind of put myself in this bubble how can I protect myself? That stress was, that experience was so horrible. I never want it to happen again. Mm -hmm. So you kind of think, well, I'll just remove all the stress from my life. I'll give up my job and da 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 da, da. Not saying everyone has to give up their job. They really don't. It was a personal choice on my behalf. Um, but yeah, you can protect yourself too much to kind of try and eliminate all that stress. And there's a quick realization you can't do that. There's too many things outside of your control. But what you can do is control your response or your reaction and your support network and your your things around you so that you are a bit more resilient. You know, mm. I am definitely way more resilient now. Doesn't mean to say that stress won't come and, you know, hit me for six again, but I'm more resilient now, you know, and also probably less precious about it happening again. And I won't mm. see it as a failure, whereas before you're like, oh, my God. What, what will people think of me? I burnt out, I'm stressed. That was the, me, my immediate response. My immediate reaction was, you know, I hope HR don't tell people. 
because what people find out then Mm. I thought actually do you know what I don't care Mm. and and actually maybe they need to know and when I did tell people um in the organization I was at suddenly there were people coming out having time off work with stress more people more people Mm. and it was just like okay well there's not just me I was just the first person or the only person to kind of go I can't do this Mm. and I remember one woman saying to me god if you're struggling we didn't think we had no idea like no not even my husband had a clue really you know because when you're high achieving um and not that I was like trying to be oh look at me I'm amazing no it's just more you're quite good and quite resilient most people I work with and I include myself in this are quite high resilient quite strong people Mm. on the surface no one has a clue that they're struggling they're so strong they're protecting themselves from that stress so well for years and they put all these mechanisms in place to protect themselves from the stress that it just becomes so hard and overwhelming to manage all of those things Mm. Um, and then it just becomes too much and everything comes crumbled down and people go I I can't believe you stress no you're not stressed mm. you're like you have no idea yeah and that's worrying because they're the people who we don't know you know mm. and and usually they're in high positions and jobs etc because on the surface level on the face of it sorry they have to show resilience you know um but really have they got it and is there anything that you can say to people in terms of like watching out for symptoms or signals as to you know maybe where they might be on the spectrum yeah I would say things like that kind of straw that breaks the camel's back if that's happening to you quite a lot you know little Mm. things um that pushing you over the edge being out of character with colleagues if you start to if you are never really want to kind of bite in a meeting or overreact to an email but suddenly you are and there are little things kind of getting to you and it's been kind of happening more often um changes in your sleep pattern as well you know Mm. if you're up really late and then finding that you have to jack up on caffeine or whatever to get going in the morning we start putting these things in place to deal with the stress right Mm. so you look great you're feeling great but um changes like that tend to be the start of you know you know you're managing stress but in a very um uh, what's the word you're managing stress but not in a very proactive way Mm. uh it's almost like maladaptive coping that's what i call it you Mm. know you're dealing with it so think of how your you've got the stress you think you're coping with it and you are maybe you're running so for me running was a huge thing um i used to run a lot all through the time i was burning out stress because running for me was me time you know away from the kids the family it was more cortisol perhaps yeah, so, yeah. and that, exactly that you know it was like well i wasn't running i was like, i'll do marathons and ultra marathons because you know actually i can run for two hours three hours mm. and, and i loved it and people were like you're mad and i was like yeah but that's me time and i was getting me time but the thing I thought was helping me manage stress was actually just making my physiology mm. even more stressed. Yeah, emotionally I felt better for the run, but physiologically I was breaking myself. So I would say to people, look at how you're feeling, but then what are you doing to manage that stress? Like you say, we all have it. But if the things you're doing are actually probably not going to help you as much in the long run, then maybe start making some slight, slight mm. changes to that. Um that would probably be a good place to start yeah Yeah. I could talk to you all day (laughs) and I think I'm learning a little bit about my own uh, signals (laughs) I've had a little bit of a coaching session here myself um we'll we'll come back um in in a few months in the next year yeah 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 yeah. thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much for listening If there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you, or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else, then please do share this link or start the conversation. 
If you haven't done so already, click on the subscribe button in your listening app. And as always, I really value your feedback. So please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.